0: Thank you for tuning into another episode of state of the arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Leah, hostess of ceremonies. And this is episode 124. My guest this week is Harpus and multimedia artist Amanda Kepler. Thank you so much for joining me, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, just delighted to be here. This is such a thrill to have you on my podcast. So how did your fascinating journey begin?
1: Music has always been in my life. I came from a family really of music lovers, um, but my older brother was a musician. And in school, I would be playing like the clarinet um, in a very kind of classical way. It wasn't an instrument where I really could express myself that much, which expression is definitely a big part of my whole creative journey as it is for so many other artists. But yeah, when I was in high school basically we would have these like coffee houses. And I remember being a freshman and I saw one girl that was up on stage with her like little ukulele. And I thought that was so cool. So I kind of said to a friend who was next to me, like, you know, by the time I graduate, you know, like I'm gonna be up there. And I started making a joke, but it wasn't a joke, of you know, naming kind of maybe interesting instruments. And I was like, what if it was like a harp or something? People around me just thought, it, yeah, they really thought I was just kidding. And then I started doing research. <laughs> and then, yeah, the rest was kind of history. I found a teacher who happened to be um, in my area. I'm, I'm from North Rockland um, in Rockland County. And, yeah, I found someone who lived about 15 minutes away and was willing to teach me without me having my own heart. Yeah, I just, I fell in love with it. Um, This, you know, an ancient ancient instrument that's also used to do, you know, contemporary music just completely sold me.
0: And your multimedia work?
1: Before I kind of got into um, the worlds of like video and audio, my first love was actually spoken word. And that Basically how transformative that was for me when I was in high school definitely uh, I think set the groundwork for just my entrance into the whole world of storytelling and all the different ways there is to tell a story and that different stories have different um, needs and maybe different mediums that suit them. So sometimes audio is the best way to give a story justice and sometimes it's you know a video project and sometimes and my favorite projects are ones that kind of combine everything and sort of make people think and feel and maybe get a little bit confused about what it is at first and then um you bring them kind of into your world
0: yeah well, that's very really exciting and so much room for like, your creativity and just coming up with new material um what's one of the most memorable moments you had as a multimedia artist?
1: Basically throughout my time in college um I had a really powerful and amazing mentor her name's Sarah Friedland and she was one of the first people who gave me an opportunity to one like even do um I guess, like an interactive media project, which I never knew was possible. Like I didn't grow up in an environment or schooling, you know, where people were doing things like that. You know, I grew up in like, you know, around like a, you know, a very large public school, you know, public schools in New York. Um, Yeah. So I wasn't really around environments where people were experimenting in that way. But basically what she did for me was, she gave me permission to like do something even if I wasn't sure how I was going to make it happen when I was like a sophomore in college. And she also gave me my first like exhibit opportunity of a project that for me felt like it wasn't ready for the world to see yet. Um, But I already had a habit of sort of being very precious about my projects and not really letting people ever see them. But she basically, yeah, gave me a space where it's like, no, like, it's enough. It's enough to show because it was also an interactive archive. So archives may not ever be done. So (laughs) she gave me a shot just to see people, you know, not just like, I guess, sit and watch a video you make, but it was an interactive website. And where people really were, you know, spending their time with it and asking me questions about it. And that, yeah, that was so meaningful.
0: And what about as a harpist?
1: I think recently, actually, I had a really powerful moment. One aspect of my harp journey that um, gives me a lot of joy is that it allows me to do um, like improvisation in a way that I don't normally get to in other parts of my life. Like I'm someone who likes plans and being very, very prepared and which sometimes can get in the way of what you're actually feeling in a particular moment because you prepared something and you felt a type of way, you know, when you were making the the initial piece, but um, there's something very magical and very powerful about improv. And so I've gotten the chance to, um, well, here in, so I live in Nyack, New York. We have this really lovely um, jazz bar that has these amazing open mics on Tuesday nights. And so I came out recently I didn't really have much of a plan. I just knew like I needed to get something off my chest and it wasn't going to happen with words. Like I think it, it, yeah, it needed to be through my instrument. Kind of like a, their house band there is very good at like masters of improv. So essentially I just showed up, didn't even know what song I was going to do. I just sort of said, hey, can we play in the key of C? And then the piano player like listen to me which also this is new for me to do improv with someone else that's something that felt very outside my comfort zone and you know within like moments like he just just understood where i was gonna go and like echoed me and i echoed him and i literally only yeah, I've never played with them in my life. Um, so yeah, I think it was just like the ways I was able to have this like very, yeah, very cool, um like a musical conversation with someone. That's
0: beautiful. Oh, yeah. I love I, it, it's great. <laughs> yeah,
1: when else in my life can that even happen? So yeah, so I think that was a really, yeah, awesome moment for me recently.
0: Wow, oh, that's wonderful that's just amazing when that happens between musicians and between I'm a dancer it happens between dancers also oh
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. it's just absolutely remarkable my husband's a musician so he tells me all about it but musicians conversations with their instruments it's just so awesome
1: completely yeah and especially because a lot of my other work is very it's just words it's so much words I mean there are there's visual aspects there's other aspects to it if you're making what whatever mode I'm kind of in but it's so nice to just sometimes sometimes yeah words don't do it and sometimes it's overwhelming to try to find the right ones and the pressure and especially with social media that things are visual heavy but they're still relying on you explaining things in a particular way for the right audience and and yeah so it was just so nice to just be like no i'm I'm just here with with my strings and i hope someone might understand
0: <laughs> and you're a wonderful writer too you've told a little short story like a poem yeah at, at an event recently and i thought it was so touching
1: no i so i so appreciate that
0: yeah so you write a lot or is it something you do regularly
1: yeah I mean it's fun. I have a funny relationship with it I guess over the years it's I've always like journaled like for very you know just for myself for my own sense of how to ground myself or make sense of the world we're in and all these big and small feelings that could be felt you know as a human doing the human thing um and I think I sort of had trouble with even the label of writer or even like poet, um, when I first got into when I was younger getting into the spoken word scene. So I think I latched on to spoken word artists, um, because I think it makes me nervous if people were to see my work written down. yeah, grammar is hard, but <laughs> but but if, if no one can see what you're writing down, then it's not an issue. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think it's something that's always been um in my life in some way, sort of like a you know a friend. But I think also what I love about when I would be in the editing process of like my documentary work was, I guess it is definitely a different type. Like the same through line that helps me understand writing or getting an idea out using words. Um, Yeah, editing was like another tool for that as well um, to kind of make these sentences sort of come together. Um, Or also the world of podcasting. Um, Yeah, so different ways of expressing something without like maybe literally writing it down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And sometimes it just hits you. Uncomfortable moment and you have to get it down. I've had it happen when I'm on the train and I'll just open my notes app on my phone and have to write that way. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, my God. My notes app. Yeah, because <laughs> I definitely rely on that. And it's so funny because I used to run like, um, like workshops for young writers where I would... Yeah, tell them no you must write it down because there will be a day where your phone will die and you will lose all of your <laughs> work or like all of those ideas or you know little you know little seedlings for things more often than not I even though I literally say to like think to myself man I should be like I should be writing this down but what I've access to in that moment is my notes app and or it may be sometimes voice memos to actually um, help me which yeah. which is fun.
0: Yeah, hoistman wasn't good. So. They're easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that I've been given a space to easily talk to myself. That's great. <laughs> so <laughs> um,
0: so uh, how and where did you find people for your productions that involved guests, uh, such as Nishama's The Jewish Soul and the Past the Mic series?
1: Both of those had different intentions, um, so they kind of had different approaches. But for Neshama, the Jewess Soul, um, which is an interactive diary and living, breathing archive that explores, yeah, Jewish womanhood in the United States, that one, yeah, was just kind of me doing a lot of the wearing all the different hats, and also, but very much anyone who was in the project was a part, was very much a participant and helped. It was really important to me that you know, these are people who are open to doing this like deep dive and unpacking of their own identity, which is not a lighthearted, you know, like, it could be fun, but it is asking for a level of like almost emotional labor I'm asking of people. So but essentially, where that was coming from, was like, within myself, I felt pretty alone in my experience as a Jewish woman having trouble finding or just feeling like, that I could be part of a community. So I think in retrospect, I think it was a sneaky way of me trying to make more Jewish friends. (laughs) But instead of, you know, some people might just invite, you know, another Jew to a Shabbat dinner, or, you know, there's, I was like, come be part of my project. So it's people that I really admired, or it could have been, it was a mix of, you know, I started very close to home, like my mom and my sister which were definitely very prominent Jewish women in my life that taught me what, what that means um, and what that even looks like. And then essentially it was, yeah, people I didn't know um, very well, but I admi- I admired them on my college campus and, and it ended up being my mentor. I actually ended up interviewing her. She was the mentor for that particular project. That was the one I got to put in an exhibit. So that's kind of where that one came from. And then, for past the mic i mean that one was very much a project that was born in my mind but very shortly after was shared and brought to life with three other people um and it very much was like a collective of like you know yeah we, we were like a 10 person team so in any decision we made you know we really had we had Um, our community norms which were super important to us dealing with you know just surrounding social justice and how to honor the humanity of anyone that entered our space because it was a live radio show which we also would record and and, and share on soundcloud so it had all these different arms and and sort of forms it, it took but at the end of the day when it came to the guests this also was housed in our college campus so for the most part They they were fellow students. The idea was, you know, bringing in, you know, uh, well, students holding marginalized identities who aren't often heard and giving them a space to just share their unfiltered experience. So that really, in the beginning, we leaned on, you know, maybe musicians or other artists that already maybe are comfortable being vulnerable in some way or being behind a mic. And as time went on, it was people we knew, people we didn't know. It got competitive, like people had to apply for a slot, like it just exploded. So that was like, yeah, like how we found people. At one point we were finding them and then they sort of knew and found us.
0: Oh, how exciting. They're both very important projects, very important you know, for society.
1: Totally. The health of yeah. <laughs> I'd say so.
0: Any projects on the horizon you'd like to give us a sneak preview of?
1: Well this one I have one that actually has been out and it it's I had a soft launch for it, but I would say that I'm gonna I'm really excited because it's gonna be given an opportunity actually on April sixteenth at the Nyak Film Festival. Which is held at Hotel Nyack. It's called A Reflective Intervention. So it's an interactive documentary and a transmedia project that explores Generation Z and how they make sense of their core beliefs. And so that's going to be on exhibit, which is so, so exciting because it's never been in public, in a public exhibit in its entirety. So there was a time where I did these pop up exhibits. Um, which I called reflection bowls where I asked people to basically reflect on what they believe in and kind of interrupt public spaces to make people think about those things before I actually made the interactive documentary website like it lives on a site so yeah essentially the two are going to be finally paired together um, at this film festival coming up so definitely stay tuned for that
0: wow that sounds amazing or what advice would you give to other like, aspiring artists I
1: mean I know I've had my own dilemmas and imposter syndrome with even right like the title of artist but, so I always clung on to being like a creative because it felt maybe easier more friendly but I would say anyone who's creating or you're creating art like you you are you are a creative you are an artist and you have to keep creating. The only way to, yeah, to get better is like you ha- you ha- you can't just kind of stop. And, and it doesn't mean that there's not gonna be periods of time where um, your process looks different. Maybe you're not literally creating your end product, but you're in your process of doing research or just living life so you have material. Because if we burn ourselves out, of course we don't feel called to create. I think also something someone told me a little while ago but really stuck with me was if you're feeling more and more maybe dissatisfied with your own work um it's not a sign to stop like it's what it really means is I'm probably gonna butcher this but basically our taste in things our taste in other people's work and which applies even to our own it's gonna mature faster than our skill level might be able to keep up with so the good news, that's good news, you're not gonna be happy with your work, but the bad news is, yeah, you're not gonna be happy with your work. And it doesn't mean you can't come back to it and kind of just, you know, honor your progress. But yeah, it means you're you're growing, you're, you're moving to like the next level of, of your craft or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. Sometimes, you know, you have to get over certain hurdles and maybe your work may not look as good as you think it should but it's a part of the whole growing process definitely yeah mm-hmm. yeah I could totally relate to that as an artist
1: oh yeah I mean the first draft or I mean depending what it, whatever it is between dance and I know you do storytelling work and writing like there's a reason why there's a first draft of most things
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely <laughs> How do you balance your music with your productions?
1: I think it looks different depending on, of course, what, yeah, what my life is filled with. Uh, discussion makes me think a lot about, I think, when I was in school, because it was one of the first times that I was balancing. Well, I realized it was so nice to have my harp. And I, I had this little harp room that I was able to keep my whole thing in, and
0: that's which is awesome.
1: But whenever I would go there, it was a really nice place for me to just be physical and in my body. When and when otherwise I was spending endless hours like in the library, like editing away, like doing my video audio editing, and just not being in touch with my body or where I'm at at all. Like I would go hours before I realized like a friend would have to come to me and be like, have you drank any water? Like, have you eaten? (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah. So I think music allows me to be back in touch with like, amanda the human with a body kind of thing um but also lately i think it's something that i make sure i make time for because i think my storytelling work or definitely when there's big productions whether i'm working for other people or it's my own projects it can be very all-consuming and i'm can be very bad at You know, I've been trying um, to, like, set timers for myself to be, you know, when it's done for the day, you're done. But, yeah, music allows me to sort of have, like, a home base I can return to um, that doesn't have the same kind of pressure.
0: And, yeah. It's good that you have that balance. You wear those hats. (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely a balancing act. So, still learning what it's what it, what it looks like and what it's about to look like now that I'm I've kind of re-entered the harp gig world, which is really exciting. Um, also will change you know the meaning of my me practicing and how much of it is for myself and how much of it's going to you know be that I'm preparing someone else's event or someone else's need. Um, that kind of thing.
0: And if someone wanted to find out more about you, if you have your own website and what social media platforms are you also on?
1: Absolutely. So definitely can explore my work and get in touch with me through Amanda Peckler, P-E-C-K-L-E-R, dot com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, which is um, Amanda Peckler. And some of my other projects you could see through there. So you'll see, like, I run um, a space called House of Neshama, N-E-S-H-A-M-A, which is an offshoot of my um, Jewish Woman project. But this one's a little bit more broad and allows, yeah, different inquiries to exist. And, yeah, you could stay tuned with harp things, all the things really through my Instagram as well.
0: How long did it take your website to be put together? I think it's very detailed and it's it's quite spectacular, I think.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That's, I really appreciate that. Because I think sometimes when you make a website, unless you intentionally get feedback from people, it just kind of lives in the ether and you don't know who sees it or who does you know? It's been, a, it's had iterations over the years. Um, So I guess, yeah, more recently. I, I don't know. I think it's taken a while, though, to definitely, because it's also, ha- it had to be updated and it's grown as I do. So there was a point where I didn't really have a harp section because I wasn't, I was kind of hiding it from people. I was like, they don't need to know about this. They don't need to know that this exists. And then more recently, I'm like, wait, like, we have been, I like, my me and my harp, like, that's like one of the longest relationships I've ever been in. You know, like we've been together for, yeah, over 10 years. I'm like, no, like that needs a place right next to everything else I'm doing. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. I like hearing that. Do you do photography as well? I thought I saw you with a camera. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: a lot of the projects I've done, I've shot myself. So, I've done, I've been behind the camera in that way, but also I've done photo work past the mic when during our live shows that was one of my hats for different live bands and performances which is always exciting um yeah when I get to document other like other creatives in their in their, in their zone
0: yes it is I feel that way about my podcast too I consider myself a hype woman for other artists
1: Oh, I love that. (laughs) As a professional hype woman, I think this is a beautiful space that you've created here. It's always nice, yeah, when fellow creatives you could be in community with each other and uplift each other. It's super important.
0: Yes, definitely. Do you have a dream project? Like say you could do anything you wanted. (laughs) Like it was the sky's the limit. Oh man.
1: It's so sad because I feel like you know, so many dreams have got you know with the pandemic or in general being a young artist, so many dreams were crushed. So I'm just like, let's keep let's have manageable dreams. <laughs> but that's not how dreams work, right? Yeah. There's a couple, but I think one I think to be like I really do love um like film scores because they come right, that's a space that can combine my film storytelling world with the music one and it's a genre that just very specific like it's because it's a, it's something made for a specific product versus like music that you might just match up to a scene i like listening to film scores on their own which is like not a taboo way of listening to them but that's not the intention of how they were made um but i really love Hans zimmer and also the shows like it but specifically his live concerts 'Cause he'll have these like electric, like cell- like this electric cellist player. And then so she it's almost like a metal concert, but it's film scores and people come out to it. So I think that would be so cool to be be like a travel, like be on tour as a harpist that's a part of something very grand like that. That would be really cool. Like that would be like a dream sort of thing. I love Issa Rae, so I always said if I could ever be on something that was an Issa Rae project, I think I still need to, yeah, keep keep the dreams coming. Yeah. Um, but things like that would be exciting.
0: Of course, keep those dreams alive. I think yeah. all of us, as, as artists, need to have those mind blowing, sky's the limit dreams. You know? Totally. Yeah. Keep, keep keep them in our vision, and you know, my husband's dream is to do film scores, so. One day I see you guys in LA teaming up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes speak it into existence totally
0: (laughs) absolutely i would go too because i write lyrics to his songs exactly from his scoring so like we write songs also together that is so beautiful
1: yeah (laughs) oh my goodness yeah because otherwise it would be wordless which sometimes that works but sometimes yeah it needs it can it can it can become a complete song that has more of a, maybe a literal story to it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you put lyrics in, then, I mean, it takes away from the imagination, but it's the viewers can, the listeners can just sit back and take in the story.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah. Unless the lyrics are metaphorical, then it's up for interpretation.
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's something I still struggle with because um, more recently I started to combine, well, More recently, I started to publicly combine. I was doing it with myself and kept it, you know, a little hidden. But when I combined my harp playing with like spoken word, eventually it would be really cool to get more into like actually composing and like figuring out how songwriting works. Um, Because I've done like, um, I guess, scoring for my own projects using my harp which is just the nature of like not having the money to pay, <laughs> wanting to, pay, you know, not wanting um someone to do it without getting compensated. So I kind of just had to be the composer for, you know, for the time being. Mm-hmm. And, um. but yeah, it is interesting when you're trying to create maybe an atmosphere for other people, or if you want to be feeding them exactly what a story is meant to say. And I think in, in poetry, it can go either way. Or it could be very, yeah, it could be a little bit more vague to let people sort of um, create their own meaning from it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was such an honor and a thrill to have you on my podcast.
1: Thank you so much for, yeah, having me. And, um, yeah, it's been wonderful.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of State of the Arts. I encourage all of you to stay safe, stay positive, and most importantly, stay true to your dreams. Take care, everyone.